Love Talk Radio. Welcome to the Along Came a Writer Network. Opinions expressed in our shows do not necessarily reflect those of the network. Welcome to the Along Came a Writer Show. I'm Linda Kozar, your host, and I'm an author interviewing fellow authors. Today, it's my pleasure to welcome to the show Donna Van Leer. She's a mom, a wife, an animal lover, and a closet comedian at home. She's passionate about cooking and eating, reading, movies and teaching, inspiring and challenging and encouraging dreamers. She doesn't like watching sports on TV, but is a huge fan of athletes under five feet tall who call her mom. Donna also loves to write books. As a New York Times and USA Today bestselling author, her 14 titles include The Christmas Shoes and The Christmas Blessing, both of which were adapted into movies starring Rob Lowe, Kimberly Williams-Hazley, and Neil Patrick Harris. Both movies garnered stellar ratings for CBS, including the highest-rated made-for-TV movie of the year. The Christmas Hope, starring Madeline Stowe, was adapted by Lifetime Television, and her movies The Christmas Secret and The Christmas Note, when aired, were among the highest-rated movies in the history of the Hallmark Movies and Mystery Channel. Donna's non-seasonal novels, The Good Dream, Angels of Morgan Hill, and non-fiction works like Finding Grace and High Calling, the biography of Space Shuttle Columbia Commander Rick Husban, capture the same warmth and poignancy as her Christmas books. And today we're going to be talking about her latest book, uh, The Day of Ezekiel's Hope, Following the Time of Jacob's Trouble, which came out right before that. And I'm delighted to welcome you to the show, Donna. Thank you so much for having me, Linda. Well, we're so delighted that you're here today and um, delighted to talk about your latest book. Do you want to tell us a little bit about it or would you like me to read kind of a blurb about it? Well, I can I can certainly tell your listeners about it. It's, it's quite different from the other books that I have written in the sense that this book is three-quarters novel, and it is a novel about what the Bible calls the end of the age, the last days. So three-quarters of it is novel, but the last one-quarter of it is nonfiction. It's biblical teaching about what the reader just read because I didn't want to leave the reader um, at the end of that last page of a novel and think, oh, okay, well, that was good, whatever it was, you know, it was, it was a good fiction story. And then just leave yeah. it there because from the Bible, it is not fiction what is going to happen, which is why I wanted that last one quarter to be that biblical teaching so that the reader could say, oh, I never knew this was in Isaiah. I never knew this was in Revelation. And and to really start digging into the Bible so that the reader could understand that what God told us in Isaiah 46.10, he says, I tell you the end from the beginning. From the very beginning, God had the end all planned out, and he knew what this world was going to look like. He knew the characteristics of these last day's world. And um, so I really wanted the reader to be able to get into the Bible and to understand that. So in the fiction portion of the Bible, and this actually, I mean, in the fiction portion of the novel, it actually started off with a book that's called um, The Time of Jacob's Trouble. That was book one. 
and this is book two, The Day of Ezekiel's Hope, and we follow the same characters. There's Emma and her friends who are in New York City, and we we find them during the the days where what by the Bible says that Jesus is going to snatch away those who are in him, those who are in Christ. The Bible says that his sheep hear his voice, and they will hear his voice uh, one day in the future, and he will snatch them away. And we meet Emma and her friends trying to figure out what has happened to the world because many people around the world have disappeared. So we meet them in the time of Jacob's trouble, and then in this new book, The Day of Ezekiel's Hope, we are still following them, and we're following two men who are part of the 144,000, and they are mentioned in Revelation chapter 7, and we meet them, and they are really 144,000 Jewish evangelists or missionaries that will be part of the last days, and God will use them in very special ways for his very special purpose. So it's it's an interesting book in that it's unlike anything I've ever written before, Linda, because it is mm. a novel and it's nonfiction at the same time. Well, yes. I mean, that's the thing. The, the book of Revelation, I mean, when you're writing about things that are going to happen, it's really, it's the real deal. <laughs> yes. And, and you know, Linda, many people, and I know that you've heard them say this as well, Many people say that Revelation is allegory. It's nothing yeah. but a book of stories. But God tells us seven times in the book of Revelation that it's prophecy. And the number seven represents completion and perfection in the Bible. Yeah. And God tells us those seven times, hey, pay attention to this. It's prophecy. Prophecy isn't just dumped on us all at once. Prophecy unfolds. and so. In God's time, that prophecy will unfold according to God's word and God's timetable. Well, you know, I see a lot of unfolding going on, uh, more than I ever imagined. You know, after, you know, studying Revelation for years and teaching it and then, uh, you know, telling telling people this is going to happen, that's going to happen. And now it seems as if we're, we are seeing it right before our very eyes. And um, I don't know about you, but I kind of wasn't ready for it. And, you know, I knew it was going to happen, but do you think it's happening now? Well, right. Well, we certainly see a lot of those characteristics, those last day characteristics. And in, in if your yeah. listeners would read Matthew 24, um, Mark 13, and Luke 21, these these are all the same chapters where Jesus reveals to his disciples because they ask him, they say, Tell us about these last days. When are these things going to take place? When will be the end of the age? And Jesus gives them signs, signs of Mm. the times. And so now we can say we are living in the time of signs. (laughs) We are the generation that is seeing signs not only happen, and they're not happening like when you and I were kids, Linda. They're not happening like every six months. They're, They're happening Every day, everywhere they're accelerating. around the world. They're, they're yeah, very they much are accelerating. converging. They're, right. They are accelerating. They're converging. They're just right on top of the other. So I encourage your listeners, read that in Matthew 24 and look at all of those signs 
that are happening because again we're we're living in it right now we are in the time of signs and like you said you know you weren't ready for it and i think in our hearts we're kind of prepared for it because we've been reading this but it's hard to watch it's really hard to see yes and to know that i mean there is that that sort of promise that this generation shall not pass away and maybe we are that Mm -hmm. generation you know before the lord comes that we will not pass away um so uh it the explanation in your book where in the word you know i think is a wonderful addition for people to um to study and to understand that uh this is this is god's uh love letter to us you know the the whole bible is a love letter but to let us know he always likes to let us know what's going to happen so he doesn't leave us in the dark because he's the light, you know, and, and he's um, being very transparent about what he's going to do. So I think that's a wonderful thing to add to your book. And have you gotten responses yeah. from people? I have. And, you know, I I really wanted to do this book because when I was a child growing up, and I'm sure for you as well, you could probably grew up in the church and they your pastor or visiting pastor or maybe a visiting missionary would say things like Jesus is coming again or Christ is returning soon. And then I discovered as when I became an adult, you know, sitting through church service, I was like, hmm, boy, seems like pastors never say that anymore. That was just kind of like a message that disappeared over the last few decades. Yes. And several years ago, as I was sitting in church, that just kind of came to me again. I thought, why don't pastors talk about the return of Christ anymore? And I thought, if I haven't heard it in decades, well, what about the millennials? And what about Generation Z? That means yes. they, they haven't heard about it. <laughs> if I haven't heard about it. Well, they it. don't talk about so hell I, much uh, either. No, or sin. You don't want to mention sin. That might hurt someone's feelings. Um, So I was sitting in church one Sunday, and I really feel like the Lord deposited in my heart the idea to write this kind of book where it would be part fiction and then the last one quarter biblical teaching because I did want to reach those millennials, and I did want to reach Generation Z who'd never heard this information before. And I have just been so honored, Linda, because I'm hearing from people, and they'll email me, and they will say, I never knew this was in the Bible. (laughs) Oh, wow. So that is really honoring, and I'm just thrilled to hear that because that's really what I wanted to happen is that people would get into the Word and they'd say, I had no idea this was in Isaiah. Never read that in Jeremiah before, you know. I just didn't know this existed. So I, I just so pray that the millennials and Generation Z We'll get a hold of the book, and they'll get into the Word, and they'll really have a desire to learn what God has told us about these last days so that we're not going to be crumpled in fear, Linda, although it is hard to watch. It's hard to see people fall away from the faith. It's hard to see these signs uh, come into being, but we're not supposed to be a people who are fearful. We're not supposed to be wringing our hands in fear over some virus that has hit the world because God told us pestilence would come. And not only would Mm. they come, they're going to increase. So we're supposed to be looking up because Jesus said when these things begin to happen, not when they happen, when they begin to happen, uh, lift up your head, look up, 
because your redemption is near. So Jesus has already said, yeah, when these things happen, he didn't say be afraid, be very, very afraid. He said, look up, look up, lift up your head because I'm coming. Yes, and we'll see him coming on a cloud. (laughs) Right. Yes. Yeah. Right. Yes. Um, now, for I, obviously, for your research on these books, you read the Bible. But what other books do you read? Because you, you and I were talking a little bit before the show. Um, I love to listen to Jan Markell and her guests on Olive Tree Ministries. Um, it's all Revelation-centered, basically, and, and understanding the times we live in. So um, what other resources do you, did you use? Well, I have read so many books over the years from um, many different pastors, uh, Dr. David Jere- Jeremiah, Ron oh, yeah. Rhodes, yeah, Mark Hitchcock, uh, Jeff Kinley. There have just been so many over the years that I have listened to, but really just uh, just staying in the word. And then, you know, when you do see, see things that happen in the world, you go, oh, yep, that's right. <laughs> Jesus yes, warned us about that, didn't he? <laughs> and uh, I always go back to we're living in such a time of deception. When you think about all the misinformation and the disinformation that's out right now, Linda, yeah. I think of Jesus' first words to his disciples in Matthew 24 when they said, okay, what are going to be the signs? This? Tell us about the last days and the end of the age. And Jesus' first words were, watch out that no one deceives you. And, and it's look easy. At it's easy to fall into in that, now. isn't it? Isn't mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. And uh, you but see the thing not is, only... no, go on. Yeah, you see not only the blinders on unbelievers, but you see the cloud of deception over many in the church as well, mm-hmm. who are, you know, Jesus, uh, Paul talks about those who would teach about another Jesus and a different gospel and a different spirit. He talks about that, and boy, do we ever see that right now. We even oh. see people within the church, and they're talking about Jesus, but it's not the Jesus of the Bible. It's another no. Jesus. You know, and they talk yeah. about the gospel, but it's not the gospel. It's a different gospel. And we are in that age of deception like no other time in history because of social media, because of the the varying different uh, different of technologies that are out there that are just pounding us and I'm pounding our kids with information day after day, minute after minute. And we have to heed Jesus's words, watch out that no one deceives you. Well, and, and we have all the tools we need to not be deceived. You know, if you compare what you hear with the word, then you know what truth is, you know, but most mm. people, well, a lot of people don't read their word. Um, they depend on, um, well, Google is their source, but believers have a different source. You know, we have the Lord and we have his word. Right. Um, and that's that's really all we need. Um, our eyes are open, unlike others, and, and we we can discern. We have the ability to discern between truth and a lie because, uh, of course, the enemy is uh, he's the father of lies. And uh, mm. but other people don't. So, um, what would you say to to believers now who are maybe surrounded by family members and friends who 
don't see because there's a lot of a lot of that going on. Right. Just continue in prayer and and continue to bring up what has already happened in the Bible because you know the Bible is the only religious text in the entire world where predictions where prophecies actually came true. It's the only one where God would say things from the past and say, this is going to happen. Well, it wasn't just things that he had said were going to happen. They weren't fulfilled like, oh, 70 or 80%. They were fulfilled with 100% accuracy. All of the prophecies yes. so far have been fulfilled with 100% accuracy. And there is no other book in the entire world that has been able to do that, proving that God is the one true God. So, you know, to our family members and to our friends, we can say he is the God of the universe. He is the only one who has done this, who is able to do this. And if he's already proven, if he already has a track record of all these hundreds of prophecies that have already come true, we can stand fast and we can hold firm that what he says about the future is going to come true as well. We know that everything that has been prophesied in the Bible about the future is going to come to pass. And so I think when we are talking to friends and family members, we can just always come back to God and say, he's the only one. He is the one true God of the universe. And there is no other. There's no other like him. And what he's done before, he's going to do again and we can just hold on to those promises of the future that everything that he said is is going to happen will happen. I think um, your your character Emma in the book, um, a lot of people can identify with her because uh, there's a point where she um, sees the world is changing dramatically, and the subways are closed and everything. And we're you know of course in the in 2020. Um, we saw our world change dramatically, and we also saw how how easy it was uh, for people to adapt to that life of bondage, of wearing a mask, mm. of keeping a distance, of not seeing family, all the things we never thought we would succumb to. Um, do you think people you know see themselves in Emma, and also do you put a little bit of yourself in your characters? Yeah, I think that a lot of people will see themselves in in Emma in the fact that once people disappeared, she really went on a frantic search to figure out what happened. Uh, Some people, they just sat in front of their TVs and they listened to the pundits. They listened to whoever was on TV at that moment saying, oh, this is what happened. No, no, this is what happened. But Emma had a Bible from a a patient of hers, she worked in a rehab center, and the patient left her bag behind. And so here she is with this woman's Bible, and she opened it up, and she just began pouring through the pages trying to figure out what happened. So Emma was able to piece it together. And I think there are a lot of people who would definitely identify with her who would say, no, I don't want to just sit in front of the TV. I don't want to listen to just that talking head right there. I want to figure out what is happening. I want to ask the deep, penetrating questions and try to get to the bottom of this. Um, And we've seen that a lot with over this last (laughs) 
Well, we were supposed to have like a, a two-week shutdown, right? And we're well, we're well over a year, a year now into this. Yes. And I think that <laughs> I think that many people are asking those deep, penetrating questions and really getting into their Bible and going, "Oh, I see. God actually said that one day people would get into lockstep with a one-world government. They're just going to come alongside, and they're just going to." to do whatever it is that the government says, and we see that in Revelation. And unfortunately, we do see it around the world in many, many people where they've just kind of succumbed and kowtowed to what the government has said as opposed to what God has said in Scripture and, and what he has written about, written about and what we see in this coming one-world government. We see that people will kowtow. Because when it comes down to, hey, you're either going to starve or you're going to be able to feed your family if you take this mark, well, people are willingly going to take that mark because they're going to want to continue to go to their jobs, put gas in their cars. They're going to continue to want to go to the uh, the hair salon, you know, uh, buy pet food, whatever it is. They're going to want to do that. So they're going to willingly take that mark. And it's just kind of unnerving and scary sometimes as we have seen people definitely uh, come under that governmental authority. But we know it will be greater and more sinister than anything we can imagine right now. And, uh, you know, I've, I've, uh, I've been surprised to hear uh, some even pastors say this, that, oh, if a Christian takes the mark, they can come back from it because that, that is not so um, scripturally. Mm. Um, and, and also, I, um, I have a theory that the mark will contain fallen angel DNA so that you'll be changed just as we're changed when we're born again. You will be changed, and there's no going back from it. Do you have any Right, thoughts? yeah. You know, I... I've never heard that. I've never heard a pastor say that you can come back from the mark because the, mm, the the Bible is clear. There is no you take that mark in the um, in those at the end of the age. You take the mark of that one world leader, whoever he will be, and we have no idea who he's going to be. Uh, the Bible gives us characteristics of what is called of what John calls the Antichrist. He goes by many names in the Bible, but yeah. the Bible is clear. You take that mark, and you have sealed your eternal fate. There is no coming back from that. Right. It's, it's very clear. You are doomed forever by taking that 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 mark. Um, wow, I've never heard a pastor say that. Boy, that is scary, I, isn't it? That's scary. I've heard some well-known pastors. I mean, I, I saw a YouTube video with them saying, yes, you can come back from it. And I, I about fell out mm. of my chair. Uh, but that's the apostate wow. church, you, you know, yes. you think about that. Um, and also, yes. I think they'll make the mark quite attractive. They'll say, oh, if you take this mark, uh, you're going to live longer. You're going to be mm -hmm. healthy. You won't have any diseases. You know, they'll try and make it very attractive without, I, I, I think you, you have to know exactly what you're doing when you do it. But they're not going to emphasize the fact that, well, you'll, you will lose um, your eternal life with God. <laughs> Any any chance right. of that? You take this right, right. But and but there will be those few people who will not take the mark. But the Bible is also very clear; they will lose their lives here. Many will lose their lives here, but they yeah. will 
they will live eternally with with Christ. So, yeah, it's it's definitely a, a time that will be scary for the unbeliever. I, I heard someone say the other day, say, oh, I don't want to hear about the end times because it's just way too scary. And I said, well, it should be scary for the unbeliever because <laughs> because yeah. they're not in Christ and their eternal fate will be doomed if they take that mark, if they follow the Antichrist. But I said, it's not scary for those who are in Christ, even those who will be left here, but they end up following Christ, they end up choosing Christ as their Lord and Savior during that time, again, their eternal fate is sealed because they will be with God and Jesus and Holy Spirit forever. They will forever be one with him. So it should only be scary for unbelievers. It shouldn't be scary for those of us who are in Christ. Amen. That's so true. Well, you have um, a next book coming out in the series called The Day of Ezekiel's Hope. Can you tell us a little bit about that and when that book is going to be released? Well, that one is currently out. That one just released. Um, And I'll have the third and final book, which will be out next March. But in The Day of Ezekiel's Hope, and I actually took that title from Ezekiel 38, where it talks about Uh, a war that will be coming on Israel in the future. And we know that it's in the future because there are many things written within Ezekiel 38 that have not happened yet. God will supernaturally save Israel during that invasion. And so it kind of starts off, the book starts off with that invasion of Israel. And what's interesting, Linda, is we see that coalition of nations coming together now. We see Russia collaborating with Iran and Turkey. We see them over the last several years. They've had meetings. They've been buddies. We see that just within the last several weeks that that Russia has now taken over bases in uh, Syria on the northern border of Israel. They've taken those bases over from Iran. So they're working together. So we see that coalition is already forming. And that coalition, along with some other nations, is going to come against Israel. And they think, this is it. We're going to wipe them out finally, once and for all. But Ezekiel 38 tells us, nope, God is going to supernaturally intervene. And he is going to destroy that coalition, those enemy forces, by himself. Israel won't do anything uh, to defeat them. So the book starts off with that. And then again, we continue to follow Emma and her friends in New York City, and two of the men who have been supernaturally sealed by God as the 144,000 Jewish evangelists. And Revelation tells us they are sealed, and people can't harm them. At the end of the tribulation period, all 144,000 are still accounted for. They're all there because they were supernaturally sealed by God. So we follow them as well and we just kind of travel around with them we see the rise of a one world government that starts taking place in rome and even now linda we see and we hear so so many world leaders talking about a global government talk about um a great reset they talk about they there has to be some sort of world order we've heard this talk for many many years for decades now Oh, yeah. Man, are we really hearing it now 
uh, a lot of these world leaders talking about globalism and having to work together to form a world order. And the Bible told us that. God told us all of this was going to happen. And so I write about that in the Day of Ezekiel's Hope in in the uh, novel portion. And then again, I try to break that down a little bit into smaller chunks in that where in the word section, the nonfiction section in the back. Well, Donna, we're running out of time. We're just about out. And um, I've had such a wonderful conversation with you. I could sit down for you with hours and talk about Revelation um, <laughs> and and not even feel like five minutes has passed. It's, it's just uh, so interesting. Um, and I don't know about you, but I keep every day I wake up and I, I listen for a shout and the sound of a trumpet. <laughs> <laughs> yep, 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 yep. That's that's so interesting. I guess a, an older pastor many years ago, he said, he said for years they were looking for signs, and he said the same thing. He said, now I'm listening for the shout. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, we're definitely we're definitely at that point, aren't we? We don't know when it will happen, but we certainly know that we're in the season. And say, come, Lord Jesus. Well. If I if I never see you on this earth, I'll meet you in the air sometime. <laughs> That's right. Well, thank you so much for chatting with me today, Linda. I so appreciate your time. All right. Thank you so much, Donna. Go and buy her books. Thanks so much. 